welcome to the 117th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where we, I, talk about, read about, write, we, the royal we, talk about, read about, write about, think about, dream about, amongst other things. Video games, video games, video games. And I am joined tonight um, by a bevy of brilliant women uh, and one special guest. Um, so what we'll do is go ahead and get started on some introductions, and we'll start with our guest. Um, Melissa, I'm going to slaughter your last name because I just recognized that I did not ask for a correct pronunciation, so I'm going to try it, and then you can say terrible things about me. Melissa Bianchi? Yep, that works. Yay. So, Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, darling? Um, I'm a PhD candidate in the English department at the University of Florida, and my focus of study is in... Uh, digital media, looking at video games. I also do work in animal studies, post-humanism, and cultural studies. And our normal uh, NYMG staffers are here, including Alicia, Ashley, and Bianca. Alicia, tell us about yourself, darling. Hey, I am a PhD student at Purdue University studying rhetoric and composition and doing all of the things that Sam tells me to do. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life. Yeah. Tis not. I believe her. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ashley, who are you, darling? Um, I am nobody. Oh, wrong. Mm. <laughs> um, Dislike. I'm Ashley, and I'm a second year PhD student in second language studies, and that pretty much sums up my life. We stole her. Mm-hmm. We brought One her over to the side. I'm astray. I don't know how I got over here. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing. Or who Did I whatever am. Sam told you. Yeah. <laughs> he told me to buy an Xbox, so I bought an Xbox. <laughs> you guys are horrible. She told me to write a post, so I wrote a post. We speak the truth. <laughs> Speaking, you know what, if anybody's been watching what Jessica Jones, see, now you know who I am, just call me Kilgrave. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I haven't started yet, so no spoilers. Me either. I haven't started myself. Okay. Well, we'll say anything else. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking That's about. right, you won't, because we'll stab you through the internet. <laughs> Bianca, who are you, darling? I am also a PhD student uh, in English at Purdue um, in literary studies, and I like to look at how video games tell stories. So that's me in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> Yay, fun stuff. Yay. All right. So let's jump in and get started. We'll start with the usual. Uh, what you playing? Melissa, what you been playing lately? Um, I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone lately. I'm currently away from all of my consoles at my parents' house. So app games have been what I've been into lately. Uh, I, I have been playing Splatoon prior to that, 
but that's about it outside of work, you know, video games for work. <laughs> that's that's that always amuses me when when to hear other people say video games for work, you know, research. So <laughs> I tell myself every time I pick up the controller. <laughs> work, man. All right, cool. Uh, Bianca, what about you, darling? What you been playing? I've been playing a lot of Tomb Raider. Um, <laughs> So, and, and by playing, I mean dying a lot. Um, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> the order of the day. <laughs> Ashley can attest to that. She came over here over the weekend and played with me. <laughs> and that was really bad. And then everyone fell asleep on me, and I killed a bunch of wolves, and nobody saw it. And, oh. <laughs> and they didn't believe you, did they? Yeah. <laughs> Kill a bunch of woods in the forest. I congratulated you. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but I did it. I killed him, and I felt pretty good about it. Um, so, and then when I get too stressed out from Tomb Raider, I've been going and playing some Submerged. Um, so that's been sort of evening me out a little bit, even though it's also kind of sad. But I guess that tells you a lot about me there. Um, but uh, yeah, so those are pretty much the two games I've been playing this past week. Cool. Yeah. So, Ashley? Yeah? When you haven't been taunting Bianca <laughs> mercilessly for dying a lot as you played Tomb Raider, what have you been playing? I've been dying in Tomb Raider as well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she don't need to taunt anybody. Hey, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten significantly better. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, let's see, so I'm playing Tomb Raider, um, Never Alone. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, Destiny, and I try to play this one game, Namua, <laughs> Namoa, so I don't know. Numa. Numa. Uh, yeah, I, apparently me as God is not working out, so. <laughs> I told you. I told you you should just let me be Empress of the Universe. <laughs> you want of the Universe. Um, so, you yeah. should always listen to me. I know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been playing. Cool. And, Alicia, what have you been playing? Well, I just finished my second playthrough of Until Dawn. Yeah. I played the first one, you know, at the marathon, and I only got two people out of eight, <laughs> which was pretty sad. So I played again, and I rescued everyone, uh, which was super intense. Yes, I did. Ooh. But it was hard, and Terry was, um, my husband, was here with me for a couple of the chapters watching while I was playing. And he came up with a really good strategy for the the ending parts, um, mm -hmm. like the the parts where you don't move. He was like, "Well, put, just put the controller on the on the TV tray." Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. And I was like, "You're a genius." <laughs> you can't always do it because you have to move around and do other stuff. But there at the end, that's pretty much all you have to do is Ugh. not move. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and that because that was the last thing I had to do. I had to make sure that I got everybody out and uh, worked. Everybody saved. Congratulations. Even the people I hated. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard sometimes because some mm -hmm. of the people are assholes. Mm -hmm. Like Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But uh, hooray for me. And <laughs> Yay. <laughs> now that it now that we're all officially on break, my uh my husband and I are picking up our, our habit of playing Don't Starve together. Mm -hmm. Aww. Yeah. It's nice. 
we like to build bases together, and you know, then we usually restart once it's like midwinter because like this is hard. Forget this. Uh, <laughs> so we've been playing that, and then I've been playing a little bit of Civil, but I need to play more mm. of that because I don't know. I'm not. I have I only have half formed opinions so far. Mm. And that's cool. what I've been doing. Well. Um, I have been playing <laughs> constantly uh, Fallout 4. Mm. I'm going to start that tonight. Mm. What? <laughs> Am I the only one not playing? I'm not. Uh, probably. I decided not to play either. <laughs> <laughs> I watch Ricky play and it kind of freaks me out with the music. And, yeah. Oh, I love that game. I love all the Fallouts, so... Well, I love looking at what people have built in Fallout um, this, like, just this past week. It's incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. So, yeah, I've been playing some Fallout 4 and really having some fun with it. This The whole power armor thing has really been a lot of fun because I'm like, I'm a big-ass mech. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the power armor is kind of cool. I watched Terry change out of his, and he had to step in and out of it. I'm mm -hmm. like, damn. Serious <laughs> stuff. Yep. Ain't no playing around with that. Um, but you know what I'm not digging as much as I thought I was going to dig is that whole building thing where you have to craft stuff, right? And I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm not really digging the crafting of things. It looks like they didn't put as much effort into the mechanics of that, like the actual how it works and how things fit together. Right. It's, it's a pain in the ass. I wonder if it was kind of like an afterthought. They were like, oh, you know what we should throw in here? Some Building. crafting. Yeah, mm -hmm. throw in some crafting shit. Yeah, let's make some stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm not digging the crafting as much as I thought I was going to. Uh, but you know what? That's okay. I'm, I'll make it through um, crafting as little as possible. Because uh, if I can buy it, I'll buy it. Let's see. What else? Oh. And I played Numa because Ashley texted me in the middle of the night. <laughs> it was like, have you played Numa? And I was like, no, no, I've not. She was like, well, this game sucks. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you mean it sucks? Is it is it too hard or? Don't try to play me like that. <laughs> I know that was rude. That was. What? You did text me. It was like, this game sucks. Because it's stupid. <laughs> and that's what I asked her. I said, well, is it that it's too hard? Because you know, you, you're, not, you're not a puzzle gamer. I, so, what, you don't know what kind of gamer I am. <laughs> she doesn't know what kind of gamer she is. How do you know? Well, you're right. Wait, Alicia, put that down. Hmm? Huh? What'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> anyway. I'm trying to be here for you. <laughs> I decided to check out Numa to see uh, what was going and you on. You needed it in an hour, didn't you? Huh? I think well, I, I, I played through, well, almost, but I went to, because I went to bed. So I, pay, I played straight through the first four chapters, and I was like, oh. But, okay, so here's. How'd here's you get out of the library then? Huh? How'd you get out of the library? That is a conversation for later. That's, we'll talk about all that later. <laughs> so, um, but the, here's the here's the rationale of, of why I think I was able to play through it so quickly. I've 
puzzle games have always been my thing, and I've been playing puzzle games literally for like 35 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm still waiting for them to come up with a puzzle game mechanic that I can't just like look at and figure out. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty easy for me to figure out. And once you figure out, once you figure out how to get out of the library, once you figure out what that one mechanic is, you can walk straight through the entire game. Mm-hmm. You can walk straight through the entire game. And the only, like I said, I played through the first four chapters, and then the only reason that I stopped is because I was, like, sleepy. Um, but I'll probably, like, just because you mentioned it, go through and finish the rest of it tonight. You, you should have streamed and just fallen asleep with people in your stream. <laughs> you stream. You shut up. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> um... So that's I guess so I guess that's the interesting thing. If you're not if you're not a if you're not a puzzle game or puzzle games aren't your thing, it can be unnecessarily difficult. But the thing is, is once you figure out that one thing about that game, it's 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 a straight it's a straight walkthrough. Yeah. So Alright. And I'll tell you the secret. Afterwards, if you want me to. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, is anybody reading anything interesting? No, it's break. <laughs> you mean besides coursework papers? <laughs> yeah, anything fun. I started reading um, Patrick Rothfuss's Name of the Wind, The King Killer Chronicles. Oh. How is it? I like it so far. I'm uh, I'm just getting into chapter seven though. Uh, I've been reading well, reading. I've been listening to the audiobook. I think that's the only way I'm ever gonna get fiction back into my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because everything else I read is academic. So mm-hmm. uh, anytime I take a long drive or something like that, I put it into my phone and then I listen to it over the speakers. Nice. Oh, you know, speaking of that. Over the weekend, I uh, I reread a book that I'd read several years ago, um, Jonathan Lethem's Gun with Occasional Music. Mm-hmm. I used it as a frame for a paper in my post-humanism class. And uh, reading it now, for that reason, was very different than just reading it on a lark. And I powered through it a whole day. Um, so it was hmm. it was different. Hmm. I hadn't read fiction for that reason since I, you know, started. Uh, that was was a new experience, and one I hope to to repeat. It was nice. Bianca, I'm sure, experiences this all the time, marrying mm-hmm. fiction and narrative in your work. Um, it's it gives you a whole different perspective on the text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you're reading with a certain purpose or through a certain lens, um, you'll pick out certain specific things that you might not necessarily have noticed upon yeah, first things read. Things I probably would have never thought about. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I feel like I, that's when I play games, too, you know. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the same thing. Like playing Tomb Raider, I'm like, what's this dad stuff going on? Why does it got to be about the dads, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think Terry gets mad at me sometimes when we're we're sitting around playing a game. One of us is playing, and I just start like, you know, like, well, this would be great, except for, you know, the four hundred things that are wrong in the representation of this character because of these reasons. He's like, I'm just trying to shoot some dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, 
I'm. Uh, I think I'm like a, spreading my virus though, because Alex is picking up on stuff too when he's playing games now. Like yeah. the other day, I was telling Ashley this. He's been playing Assassin's Creed uh, Syndicate, and you can go back and forth between Jacob and Evie, the two right. twins that are the main characters. Mm-hmm. And he's like shouting at me from across the house, like, "Did you know that Evie has specifically, literally less than or exactly half?" of mandatory missions that Jacob has, and I'm like, this is why I love you so much. You're shouting feminist things at me, and this is wonderful. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's spreading. <laughs> oh, you guys are such cute little hobbits. Yeah. I said, uh, you're a feminist hobbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to finish a book called All the Light We Cannot See. You guys know that one? No, what is it? Um, that's by Anthony Doer. Doer. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. D O E R R, I think. Um, but it's a it's a World Two based mm. uh, novel about a blind girl. Oh um, yeah. And what she experiences. It's actually really well, really well written. Um. So yeah. So I like that one. I like World War Two stuff for some reason. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask if you were... In fiction. Hmm. You're going to ask if I'm a... If you, if you were a fan of World War II books. I am. Fiction. I even like going to um, like the Holocaust museums. I mean, I say like, but not like as in... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I cry, obviously, and then when I was in Japan, I went to Hiroshima and Mm-hmm. And their museum, and that was heart-wrenching, of course. Yeah. But I'm, I've always been drawn to that type of literature and experience mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Not we to be a have a conversation later because I'm really into conflict literature, so. Cool. Mm-hmm. This is a thing I did not know about you. Oh, well, I have many surprises. There are many layers. <laughs> oh, our friend yeah. Ashley. I am an mm-hmm. onion. Only not as stinky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note. Um, well, I'm still reading um, Michelle Alexander's uh, The New Jim Crow. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Such a happy place to be. Um, <laughs> right, so talking about... Um, the the current penal system and mass incarceration in terms of uh, being the new Jim Crow. So it's really interesting because right now I'm I'm um I'm, I went back because well I'm doing it as an audiobook right it's like 15 hours long or something like that as an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I, I I find myself like when I'm it's time to get out of the car because I listen to it predominantly in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's time to get out of the car, I like sit in the car. And just listen, but mm-hmm. I um, went back today and started listening to one of the earlier chapters that I had listened to before, uh, because I knew that I had missed some stuff when I was listening to it. But listening to um, her connection between um, Jim Crow laws, um, the Black Slave Codes, and um, the penal system. Mm-hmm. And it just like seriously, that shit like rocked my world. <laughs> it was like a fucking gut gut punch, and I was mm-hmm. like, wow. 
Wow. And I was doing it today while I was like toy shopping for my kid. So I'm like, oh, jeez. I know. Because I had, I like literally was walking, and this is something I never do. It's like I was walking around with like my earbuds in and I was listening to this book. And I'm like, I'm like walking through the store and I'm like about to start bawling. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why am I doing this to myself when I'm supposed to be Christmas shopping? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the world is just such a fucked up place right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's like I'm doing everything I can to try to, not to try to understand it, because I understand exactly where it all comes from, but to figure out where where we need to go and what my place is in all mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Paying real close attention to um, Michelle Alexander right now, and then um, I have a bunch of other books that I've, that I've downloaded and I'm reading little bits of here and there, including Coates' book, um, which I've had for a while and not just because it won the book prize. Um, just to try to make sense of the world. Yeah. Not only for my not only for myself but for my kid. Mm-hmm. Who is who is really perceptive and is starting to notice with great frequency the inequities going on in the world around her. Mm-hmm. And she asks questions about why they exist, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to answer them because there is no answer for them. No. Yeah. So, if you thought Ashley's Holocaust Museum was a was a <laughs> was a real downer, <laughs> I promise we're normally super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Sam, have you started reading Lumberjanes yet to try to lighten up the mood? <laughs> uh, no, but apparently that's something I need to do. Yeah, I'm gonna start reading Rat Queens on the uh, on the drive yes. tomorrow. Yeah, you need to do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. That was a rousing recommendation. Yes. <laughs> I should probably. I should probably. Uh, Restrict myself to only reading graphic novels and, and generally <laughs> comics over the break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. All right, so fun questions. Yay, Levity, what you drinking, folks? Melissa, what you drinking? Anything fun? Um, so I'm drinking water right now, but with good reason. Um, my sister is prepping some kind of autumn sangria with whiskey and cognac in it, and so I'm kind of trying to detox now, so that way <laughs> Thursday and Friday I'll be good to go. Mm. Is that the one that has like apples and pears in it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, I've seen the recipe for that. It's really good. Um, I'm excited for it. <laughs> sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a hangover waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, but, you know. All right. Celebrate. All right. Fine. Bianca, what you drinking, honey? I'm uh I'm drinking some wine again. (laughs) This podcast. (laughs) Um, more Spanish wine again too. So, just what kind of Spanish wine is a red? Yeah, it's a red. It's a garnacha. Oh. Um, So yeah. I wish I could drink red. 
My tea is purple, so I like to drink it at home because I'm vain and I don't like people to see my grotesque teeth when I drink red wine. So now you know that about me, too, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I still like you. Thanks. (laughs) I mean, but less, obviously. Obviously, yeah. I don't. I love you. No. Show off. (laughs) You can come drink red wine in my house anytime. Thanks. Don't worry about it. I won't. (laughs) All right. Ashley, what about you, darling? I'm drinking cheap Target red wine. Good choice. Yeah. You're working on your purple teeth over there, too. I like it. They are. They're all purpley. It's like a red velvet cupcake. <laughs> is it like super sweet? No, not at all. Um, I mean, it's it's sweeter than what I usually like, but it's not super sweet. Mm. So it's not one of those sprite wines like Alicia likes. You know what? I like that sometimes, and I don't apologize for it because I'm a grown ass woman. And I drink what I want. That's right. That's right. Well, there you have it. I guess we're gonna talk about what Alicia's drinking then. Uh huh. What you drinking, Alicia? I am currently drinking a, a... cup of grown ass woman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a uh, Coney Island hard root beer, and then I'm gonna switch to a citron melon in a minute when this <laughs> is empty. Yeah, she's got a game plan. Uh, yeah, I have like a a lineup of beers. There you go. My she's got a line going. I'm serious. I'm a serious <laughs> yeah. drinker of beer. Mm-hmm. I wish I liked beer. I do too. I like cider. Oh, I love cider. Cider's uh-huh. my favorite. You have to try Vandermel. That's my jam. We've been <laughs> drinking lots of ciders lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually not drinking a cider tonight. Oh. Um, I am drinking a a Goose Island. Um, oh, what? Well, I, there's only mm-hmm. one Goose Island that I really like. Mm. Or, um, and that's the 312. Mm. Okay. I like the 312, but I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Honkers Ale. Clearly, mm. I don't know anything about alcohol because <laughs> Island does not sound like alcohol. It's a Michigan beer. Cupcake uh, no, it's a Chicago brewery. It's a Chicago. I could have sworn it was Michigan. <laughs> yep, it's Chicago. I'm it's Goose Island is my favorite brewery around here. Like that's generically available. So mm-hmm. I know I'm claiming it for um, Michigan. I'm sorry, you'd be incorrect. So. Well, I don't care. All right, let's do it. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you're grown too. You do what you want. Island. <laughs> where <Yeah>. from? Um. <laughs> where where you go? So um, yeah, I'm drinking a, a three twelve, which is which is my favorite Goose Island. Um, it's a a wheat ale. Mm-hmm. Um and as we ale, it's a lot smoother and not and not hoppy. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and the uh, Honkers Ale is a it's an English style bitters, which is hard to come by. Yeah. Chicago. These parts, bam. Just to clarify that. I know Goose Island, y'all. I wasn't playing. There's not a lot I know in this world. I know about you. You know a lot. 
I know about beer. <laughs> yeah. And video games. And um, video games. Um, Alright. So, yeah, I'm drinking a 312, and when I'm finished with this 312, I'm going to have another 312. If... <laughs> Dang. Consistent. I'm consistent tonight, yeah. <laughs> that and the fact that that's all that's in my fridge upstairs. <laughs> um, Is there more of it? Will there be more on Thursday, perhaps? There may be a couple left. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> if I don't drink them all. Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to bring you these nasty fucking Michigan beers that I don't want to drink. Can you bring me that Vandermill cider? I don't have any. All right, let's do the thing. All right. So on that note, I know Melissa's like, what the hell have I gotten myself into? <laughs> mm-hmm. Having a good time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> we so can say we're going to like start a beer podcast and just talk about beer. That sounds uh, great, too. Yeah. Can we include cider? Yes, <laughs> we would include ciders just for you. Thank you. I'm trying to get sponsorship for that shit, but, you know, they ain't having it. You, you want to do your uh, Lighting Kugels uh, plug again tonight? <laughs> uh, do your Lighting Kugels. Please sponsor us for a beer podcast. We will talk about you a lot. By we, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> By drinking your beer a lot. A lot. Thank you. That is all. So um, we have a bunch of questions that we want to ask you, Melissa, and we're not going to like fire questions at you and just go answer, but <laughs> rather just have a conversation. No lightning round? <laughs> no lightning round. <laughs> so, um, we'll go ahead and get started. Mm-hmm. Um, the first year, the first questions, are those you, Alicia? Uh, maybe. Okay. Do you want to get started, darling? Yeah, I can. I was okay. getting to them. <laughs> so, uh, how did you get started in uh, games and games research? Um, well, it's it's actually an interesting story because when I originally started um, my master's in English, I was doing comic studies, and so I was really uh-huh. into visual rhetoric and stuff like that. And I met a colleague of mine who had done his master's related to video games research, and I was like, oh, that's actually a thing. I can do that. <laughs> um, so I did, and so um, I, you know, I started going back to some of my favorite games, and I was, you know, at the time I was an avid WoW player, and so I started looking at these things as, you know, critical texts for culture, and next thing I knew I was steeped in game studies research, and I had, you know, I was reading comics just for fun. <laughs> that is uh, very similar to my origin story. Yeah. The... You can do that? Yeah. That's a thing? <laughs> it's like, who would have thought? It's amazing. <laughs> that liberal education. <laughs> UF's Department of English has been super supportive in, in that pursuit. I know I know some colleagues of mine get resistance from their departments because they're traditional, like, literary studies. But um, for the most part, you know, our faculty has been like, yeah, you want to do game studies? Go get it. What do you need? You know? That's awesome. I'm sure you guys are kind of the same way, if not more so. <laughs> uh, our department's super supportive, obviously, because we have Sam. Um, <laughs> but, I, I mean, I wonder, Ashley, if you're going to end up getting any kind of pushback or not. I guess we'll find um, out. Well, my professor, one of my professors, really, she's supportive of it. 
Um, but she's also into technology. She's not really into gaming, but I've I've convinced her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she can see the intersections of what I want to do as far as um, ESL games, technology, mm-hmm. and race. So she's very supportive in that. Some of my other professors will probably give a little bit of pushback, but they're not going to be on my committee, so that'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so. The ones that will be on my committee will be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and there's, there's so much there's so much work going on in second language studies in games right now yeah. that yeah. it's impossible to ignore. But yeah, you right. always have the old guard standing around going, but that's not science. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? The truth is they all die sooner or later. Oh. <laughs> it's horrible. I'm kidding. But that's what they always told me when I was in grad school. And I was like, well, here's what I want to do. But, you know, so-and-so said, I can't do that. And they're like, well, you know what? They all die sooner or later or retire. Um, okay. You want to be nice about it. Retirement <laughs> well, sounds better. Than <laughs> One day somebody will say that about me as I'm going, get off my lawn. <laughs> what are you doing with this here, like, I don't know, holiday? Dollars. In my English department. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't. I'm not next. <laughs> I don't know who's next. It's not me. Well, we'll just throw the question out there. It doesn't really matter who's next. Speaking of holodecks in English department, and get off my lawn. Um. <laughs> uh, how do you see video games situated in English departments? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, um, for starters, I think as a medium, uh, a lot of the methodologies that you would use to read a book, for example, can be applied to a video game. Um, that's not to say that there are things that are not unique about games, but you know, if we want to branch out um, because you know humanities research needs to find new ven- you know new venues of study. I think taking what we know about books and, and literature and, and trying you know and, and their relation to culture um, and using them to study video games is a great place to go. Especially as more and more students um, that we see are immersed in game culture or you know just play games casually. So that's one way I see you know games fitting into uh, you know a, an English department. Um, it, at UF, you know, we don't make a distinction departmentally between rhetoric and composition and English, and so for us, it's also a site for studying, you know, writing and, and comp, and and how games make arguments about specific topics, as well as teach students to make arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, I would say the same thing about film as well as as comics. You know, all of these media are are interrelated in the way that they work. Um, culturally and also expressively and so I think that you know we shouldn't be doing this weird kind of gatekeeping between media um so mine might not be uh, how can I put this easy it might not necessarily be your your area of expertise but hopefully you've come across it but since you know, being in Florida, that's where you're located, right? I read that right. Yes. Okay. 
so being in Florida and looking at games in the English department and how that intersects with like culture and writing uh, and all of these things, um, does your department or do you look at how that affects second language learners? Or are you looking primarily from um, an L1 or a first language context? Yeah, I'm, I mean, my work is mostly from an L1 perspective. I'm not too sure about anybody who's doing stuff for ESL with that. Okay. But that's, I mean, that's a great question. I think now I'm going to go back and try and find out because it would be good to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that when I was reading the, the WOW article, there's a lot of research in the second language that's on specifically WOW mm -hmm. um, and the intercultural connections that it makes for students and how it puts them uh, in, in that context, in a, in a sociocultural context for learning a language. But it seems like there's similar research on that for um, a first language context as well. So I thought the intersections, though not made explicit, were interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they are. They're, they're really interesting, especially um, especially when you're trying to pick up a language quickly at you know the, the college level. Right. Immersion in games is, is an interesting uh, solution to a problem. Uh, so, Melissa, I was hoping to ask you, um, about so we read a couple of pieces that uh, that you've written. Um, one of them, the Lost in the Woods piece, um, and you talk about the uncanny in that one. Mm -hmm. And what I was struck by in that piece was sort of how you talk about liminality and how the uncanny sort of highlights Legends of Zelda's uh, liminality in the game world. Um, and you also touch on liminality in the other piece that uh, that we all read for today too. How World of Warcraft could save your classroom, um, and you speak about liminality there uh, in the sense that um, reality and fiction are sort of two areas that game spaces occupy. Um, and so I'm I'm really interested in your discussion of games as being liminal um, in both of those projects. And was wondering if you'd be able to maybe speak more to that and, and how you uh, see this this idea of their liminality as being significant for, for us. Oh, um, yeah, sure. And, and thanks for reading those. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so for me, what's really interesting about games as, as liminal spaces is that you can have a lived experience in these worlds mm -hmm. and at the end of the day still walk away and, and do other things. and. Um, I'm really interested as that liminal mo at, in that liminal moment of being and what we can kind of learn from it, but also how we can use it to think about other types of liminality that exist outside of game spaces. So with the World of Warcraft piece, right, that being both one foot in, one foot out of some kind of technical discourse or, or um, business discourse, mm -hmm. um, with the Zelda piece, this you know, between life and death, between being lost and being found. Um, and with my current research, I'm, I'm doing a lot with um, human humans and animals, right? So what does it mean to be, you know, a, an organism stuck between these two categories that, um, for the most part, have been defined as, as mutually exclusive, but in reality, you know, in, in the contemporary moment, we don't think of them as being separate anymore. So what does it mean to inhabit both? Spaces. So I think games are a good medium for doing that because they require a lived, performative, implicated experience that um, you kind of don't get when reading a book or watching a movie in the same way. Um, 
there's a kind of responsibility to your actions in the game space that these other mediums don't really deal with as significantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I mean, you're, so you're talking about other media forms right now too, which kind of leads into the other question I have for you. Transition! Um, <laughs> and uh, in, that, in the Lost in the Woods piece again, you talk about um, how games kind of draw from other media forms, mm -hmm. but you also discuss kind of how they diverge from those forms um, when you talk about procedurality. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd love to hear more about, you know, how you think games converse other media and, and kind of how you see them as being located and what kind of what role they they play um, in this kind of conversation between other media forms. Right, okay. Um, well, so to talk about some of the similarities, I think, you know, games draw a lot on visual rhetoric and visual and, and textual rhetoric, um, both in their narratives and the way they frame certain shots. Um, but the procedural element, which is not exclusive to games, right? But, you know, right. when you read a book, there are certain procedures. When you watch a film, there are certain procedures that you go through. But I think um, games use procedurality as a way to, to kind of sometimes subvert, but also support what the visual and the textual are doing. Um, and to me, I think that's what really marks them as somewhat unique or, or different than what you know, the majority of books or, or films do with their procedurality. Um, now, you know, e-literature does something similar um, where it plays with the procedural as a way to challenge what's going on in a text, right, in the narrative. Um, and so games, I think, do that more frequently because of the requirement for these rules and mechanics that drive what you can and cannot do in the space. And sometimes those things go against, you know, what they're showing you visually or what they've expressed to you in the narrative. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I see them kind of being inter interrelated, but also distinct. Okay. That, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> I was really... <laughs> if I can change this picture a little bit. Um, I was really curious. I noticed that your dissertation that you're working on is on games and animals. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about how you came to that. And I also noticed that when we mentioned Never Alone earlier, um, you said, oh, that's a really great game. And of course, the animal-human connection in that is really strong. I mean, it's the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was wondering if you could speak to the origin of your interest in animals and games, and if you would tell us what you think about that game in particular. Sure. Um, so uh, there's a lot of different points, I think, in my history that um, drew me to to make a connection between games and animal studies. Uh, for one, I have, uh, um, I have a bachelor's degree in biology, and so I've always been interested in animals just from a, you know, a young age. Um, and studying biology, I, you know, I, you know, I, and then deciding to do a PhD in English, I always kind of wanted to, to bring that back in somehow. Um, at the same time, I have a, a colleague of mine who also does game studies, and his favorite game is Echo the Dolphin. Mm -hmm. And we got into a long conversation about it one day because I had never played the game. Um, and it was this bizarre, you know, bizarre, uh, for those of you that haven't played it, it's a bizarre little game where you control a dolphin um, and you zoom left and you right and the controls are kind of wonky. Um, and we started talking about how 
there are so many games where you play as an animal character, but there's not a lot written about what that means, you know, or how do we interpret that, or, you know, why that might be significant. And so I started thinking about all of the games I like to play, um, as well as a lot of the fantasy characters I like to play, because I usually play, you know, a hunter or something. And so um, animals are significantly tied up in a lot of my gameplay experiences. So that's where I started thinking about it. And at the same time, I was I had this in the back of my mind. I started getting into post-humanist theory. And that, for me, kind of was like, well, you know, you know, let's marry the two and talk about both the human and technology and the human and the animal in digital games. Um, so that's how it started. And so my dissertation looks at several different genres of games that I've divided based on, on how they engage the animal. So I have a chapter that looks at hunting games and pet simulation games. I have another chapter that looks at zoo simulations um, and farming games. And I have another chapter on games where you play as an animal and how that differs from games where you play as a human or a human that transforms back and forth from an animal. And so there's a lot of different mechanics that go into making these games and it's interesting to see how they express different ideologies about what it means to be human or what it means to be animal or what it means to be both, um, as well as how these are policing the way we treat real life animals. Um, and there's been some really interesting research coming out lately on, you know, what does it mean that we have games now that are designed for animal players? Um, mm -hmm. So now that the player subject is no longer exclusively a human, so what do we do with that? So that's kind of where my research has been these last couple uh, semesters, yeah. Um, I have a, I have a quick, quick follow-up. Follow -up. I, I know it wasn't on the schedule. But I was wondering, just out of curiosity, if you've ever played a game called Whiplash. Hmm. Whiplash? Yeah. Whiplash is a really interesting platformer in which you play as one animal and use another animal as a whip. Like a weasel, I think it was, or a ferret. Oh, wow. it's, yeah, it's packaged as this like, cute little kids game, but uh, I mean, obviously like PETA, for instance, yeah. spoke out against the game when it first came out because of this central mechanic. And uh, it's, such a, it's such a different way of approaching humans and animals in games. Um, is there something else like that that you've encountered? Um, not yet, not so much using another animal. I've, I've seen, you know, a lot of games use a human subject or avatar, um, and then you know the companion animal is a dog or something like that, and they're used to complete tasks, but never two different animal, non-human animal species. So that's really interesting. Um, I'll probably have to check that out. That sounds really cool. It's a, it's something. It'll make you feel some kind of way. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what's interesting about some of these games is that they're they're small little indie games, like you know, like Never Alone, um, but they're doing something oddly significant um, with that human animal or interspecies dynamic. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Sam. I had to unmute myself, sorry. <laughs> so my next question has kind of been addressed already, so I want to go ahead and cheat a little bit um, and say that your piece on Legend of Zelda that we've talked about a, a, a bit tonight um, is really interesting, but 
more than the piece itself, I have to ask you, not as a gatekeeping question, what's your favorite Legend of Zelda game? Oh, um, it's either, it's a, it's a toss-up between Link's Awakening and Ocarina of Time for oh. me. Good but answer. That's, that's probably, you know, the age that I, I grew up playing those games. Well, the funny thing for me is, is that, um, and, I, and I've, I've admitted this a bunch of times, is that a lot of, a lot of like the Mario games, the Mario Brother games, and even some of the, um, some of the Zelda games, I didn't play mm -hmm. first time around. I didn't get to actually play or get into playing um, until they came out. They were released on the 3DS. Yeah. Um, and Ocarina of Time. Is something that I have played uh, both as in its original form and in the 3DS form, and it's one of my favorites. That's a good choice. That's a very good choice. Um, for me, what was the what was the, the the weirdest experience with that game was having played it when I was younger, and then not having gone back to it till I I wrote that paper, and. I, I for some reason my childhood mind imagined those graphics to be so much better, um, <laughs> and seeing them now it was kind of shocking how how sharp and polygonal Link was um, back then. Have you played any of the the more recent games, or I guess to the rest of you, what's your favorite Zelda game? Uh oh, Alicia. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't love Ocarina of Time. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority on that. That's fine. But uh, you know, it's interesting because you you mentioned you mentioned this a little bit in one of the questions, so I'll bring it up now. Um I'm a big fan of the original Legend of Zelda. It's such a classic oh, yeah. wonderful gaming experience. Yeah. Uh I mean it's just there's so much so many so much groundwork that was set there for what gaming became. Um but I, when I was reading through your piece, I was thinking, like, I never, I know that those places are called, like, the the, the forest and everything, and, but I'd never think of those as trees. <laughs> because to me, they look like bushes. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a fair, that's a fair, um, deep, yeah. So I just thought that was really funny as I was reading. I was like, wait, now I have to think about this in a totally different way. I had to take myself away from my game space. <laughs> And uh, look at something a different way. <laughs> no, I mean to be fair, I I thought the same thing too for for a very long time. Um, they look I, like bushes. They do. No, they they absolutely look at like bushes because they're the same size of the avatar. And you know, for me, it was it was always funny because so my father was the one that got me into that series. He bought an NES way back in the day and was playing. You know. The Legend of Zelda, and I would sit around and watch. And um, every time he would go back to it, you know, I was responsible for remembering the path out of the woods, which for me never made any sense because I'm like, they're just bushes. You could just, you know, um, <laughs> he's like, you know, he was like, that's not, you know, it's called the Lost Woods. It's a woods, you know, you're lost. Remember the path for me because I'm gonna forget. And you know, um, <laughs> and that that moment always stuck out to me, which is why I ended up writing the piece ultimately because, you know, I. I, I was thinking of him the whole time. Cool. <laughs> All right, so here's where we come to a fun part, and that's where we ask you this very weird question. 
Um, the very first question is not the not the lightning round. Okay. No bonus <laughs> But so, is there anything that you wish that we would have asked you tonight? Um, any question of something that you wanted us to cover that we didn't? Anything in particular you want us to know? Anything fun or anything you want to ask us even? Um. Well, I, so I was a little surprised how much you guys were interested in the Zelda piece, but because uh, I have another one out that was on The Sims um, mm -hmm. and the pet relations in the game and how they're represented. Um, so I was a little surprised that the Zelda piece got more attention, but um, outside of that, I think you know you guys do great work, and so I'm just thrilled to be on the on the show and talk about that. We talk about game studies with you guys. Um, I'd love to hear more about what you guys are currently working on now. I know some of it's been covered in the podcast, but um, it's always nice to hear what your your colleagues are doing. And I'd also like to know how um, how your your fundraising went for um, Extra Life. <laughs> All the fun All stuff. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll go. We'll go in that order. So, who wants to tell Melissa first what they're working on? Alicia. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to go first, Alicia? <laughs> um. Well, uh, I am working on some stuff actually for class, but I hope it gets bigger. Uh, about definitions of play in regard to the newer indie games. Okay. Because there's so many games that I think don't fit any of the current definitions. And I know there's a, there's a book coming out in the spring, and I'm like, well, you know, this just may uh, presuppose anything that I'm, I'm thinking, but I, I don't have access to it. So, you know, i got to go with what I have. And uh, specifically games like, I don't know if you played it, The Beginner's Guide. Mm -hmm. um, yeah really made me think about how I, I just didn't feel comfortable applying any definition of play or game or anything that I was familiar with to it because it feels to me more like an essay or even a lecture, um, something that's not even very interactive and just because you hit buttons doesn't make it interactive. Uh, so there's that, and then of course I'm working on Invisibility Blues with Sam. Yeah, which is great work that you guys <laughs> Thank you. And much more as well. We're very overwhelmed with it. Sometimes it's a lot, you know. I mean, <laughs> games. If you're tracking good and bad things about games, there's so much research and work that has to be done with that that it's just kind of outrageous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you even start? Oh, exactly. I mean, my my so my colleague Kyle Bonnicky and I are, are we're working on UF's um, Trace Innovation Initiative. It's like a big media studies hub. And we're trying to figure out, you know, what does game studies scholarship need right now? And so we're, we're working on putting together, like, a database of silent playthroughs for games that just haven't gotten one yet. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, and so, like, stuff like that, like, it, it's just time-consuming, though, because, mm -hmm. you know, in addition to doing the work and responsibilities of a graduate student, you know, you have to find time to do these extracurriculars just to take, you know, yeah. energy. That's a lot of work. There's a lot of invisible labor in game studies, mm -hmm. including actually playing games. Yes. <laughs> How about you, Ashley? What are you working on? Uh, I'm working on everything. <laughs> um, 
yeah. Um, so for SLS stuff, second language, second language mm -hmm. stuff, I'm working on uh, a project right now with collaborative learning using Google Docs, mm -hmm. um, and how peer feedback is uh, being observed by the students and uh, how they actually provide feedback. And but thinking about games, I'm working on playing through games that are narrative based. So I can understand them a little bit more because I'd like to start doing more pedagogical things where mm -hmm. students can play narrative-based or interactive fiction types of games uh, in order to inform how they should write a narrative mm -hmm. and then how those skills are transferable to research papers. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's awesome. Are you, are you planning on building any games? Or are you <laughs> building? I just bought an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I just figured out what Steam is. <laughs> Baby steps. Baby, Baby steps. steps. One date at a time, please. <laughs> Maybe she'll work with me next semester on that because I'm gonna build a game. What? I'm gonna do what? Huh? Maybe it said maybe you'll oh. work with me next semester. Okay, I thought this was gonna be like a Sam to Alicia to Ashley type chain, and I'm not <laughs> ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Uh, I guess building games would be fun. I have to get comfortable enough playing them first, I think. Uh. <laughs> All the fun. Mm -hmm. Who was that? Oh, and, and teaching them, right? I mean, that's also... I don't oh, know what yeah, kind totally. of setup you guys have, but technology-wise, it can be sometimes uh, a strain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to focus on games that are accessible through computers mm -hmm. um, because trying to figure out how students in a classroom can all play on an Xbox is quite challenging. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, know, oh, I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, and I obviously I can't require all of my students to go out and buy an Xbox. Well, so. I, my, <laughs> my dream is that one day Steam, and I'm, ho I'm hoping, you know, Valve is listening to this, that they'll release like course packs. <laughs> you know, here here's the course pack for you know US. And it, right. you know, it's got Don't Starve. It's got you know Never Alone. It's got whatever whatever you need to make your class happen. That'd be nice. That would be nice. That would be, nice. That would be so convenient. Mm -hmm. You still have to make sure that your students have computers that can run yeah, the game. Exactly. Right. Or use the computer lab. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Baby steps. Baby Accessibility, steps. man. Mm -hmm. How about you, Bianca? What are you working on? Uh, I've got a couple of things. I mean, what? <laughs> that pain sound. I mean, uh, um, working on a couple of things. I think my sort of overarching uh, lens is. I mean, I think a lot about representations of gender in games, doing feminist analyses, um, and they usually are oriented toward. Um, how motherhood and fatherhood um, are often differently <laughs> represented in games. Um, but that has also led to me thinking about how like girlhood as well um, is portrayed in games and, and what sort of social implications those depictions have. Um, but right now I've also been working, uh, I'm taking a feminist methodologies class um, and through the course of the semester, I've been sort of, through, and through the class, I've been thinking about 
my own methodologies um, and how to put that into words for myself since I occupy sort of this space between a lot of different fields or departments as someone in literary studies and doing game studies and doing feminist women's studies work. Um, how <laughs> to blend all of those things together. So for that class I've been working on a project like establishing a methodology of disruption mm -hmm. kind of a thing as a way of bridging all of these fields together for me and figuring out what exactly I'm trying to do. <laughs> um, and so that project I'm actually pretty stoked on. I think it's ultimately going to be really productive for me moving forward. Um, establishing a voice and figuring out what that voice is for myself. So that's sort of the more specific project at hand right now, but bigger picture stuff is gender, man. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean that's I mean that's still a hot topic in this field and it probably will never stop being a hot topic for this field the way it's been going. I think that's true for lots of media though. I mean talking mm -hmm. about T V and film yeah. and literature and how they all converse together. To, and, and what the underlying power structures are that are resulting in these representations that are occurring across. Right. Yeah. Conversations. Yeah. What's all about? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Does that leave me? It mm -hmm. does. Yeah, that leaves you. Mm. Well, as Alicia said, always working on invisibility blues. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's so much work to be done um, and so much necessary work to be done and in interconnected ways always working on Not Your Mom's Gamer um, as a community site, as an academic site, as a resource um, and then in my own, in my ample free time, um, in my own kind of personal research um, I have been constantly working on racing games. That's what I've been working on for 10 years now, right? Um, yes. But um, I guess now, probably more so um, in the last couple of months, even pieces that I had like in progress are shifting in many ways because I'm starting to look at, think about games as cultural artifacts more strongly and trying to figure out how they can become artifacts for social change mm. um, and in what ways they can be either as catalysts for conversations uh, or as conversations themselves right depending on the, the, the ways that they are created, both in terms of the narrative and the mechanics that are used um, within the game, to, to progress through the game. Mm -hmm. um, are, there I, game, are there games in particular that you're thinking about when you say these? Well, I, I start thinking about, um, and there's no spoilers at this point, right, because the game is like forever old. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately has been Brothers mm -hmm. um, and the ways that the mechanics uh, operate in that game, right, and, and how you are asked to control one brother with one um, 
with one thumbstick and, and one brother with the other, and how as the game progresses and 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 brothers become more reliant on each other, um, even in the absence of one brother, shall we say, um, you still have to you have that you still have that um, residual uh, presence of that brother, so you still have to use the original brother joystick. Mm -hmm. So to start thinking about how that, for example, I have all kinds of like ideas flowing through my head about if we start thinking about how culturally um, different groups of people affect one another um, and how that can be represented through mechanics in a game, even in something as simple as um, control of a character um, and the use of thumbsticks or motion controls or any number of things. Mm. Uh, it's been something that's just been kind of pushing its way to the fore for me. That sounds like fascinating work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> right now it's lots of pictures okay. and drawn in my notes and um, <laughs> ideas and, and ideas uh, jotted down. Um, yeah, I think in, in, a, in a weird variety of ways. Awesome. So, I think, is there, do you have any other questions for us? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's great. I, lo I love hearing what you guys are doing, whether it's through the podcast or in person. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Then I guess on that note, that brings us to the end of episode 117. Wow. 117. Yay! A lot of episodes. Well, thank you for having me. It's great. Thank you for, for being here. It's been awesome. awesome. Um, it's been fun talking to you and talking about your work. Um, we don't we don't get to talk to other academics as as much as we would sometimes like to. So it's mm -hmm. always great when we can talk to folks about what they're working on and see what's coming in the field. Oh yeah, so, that was fun. Happy to have these discussions with you guys. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like everybody's starting to sniffle now. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you all to tears. That's what it is. <laughs> Um, so on that note, um, as I said, that brings us to the end of episode 117. Thanks so much for joining us, Melissa. Please, you know, feel free to, you know, come back and join us whenever you'd like. It'll be a, it could be a blast. Um, and until we come about with episode 118, um, which also promises to be a whole lot of fun. <clears throat> We would like to say our usual, oh, as we are coming up on American Thanksgiving, if that is a thing that you celebrate. If not, it can be a day of overindulgence. Fat mm -hmm. um, pants. <laughs> <laughs> stay warm. Stay dry. And as always, my friends, game on. Game on. Game on. Ooh.